Thank you for downloading from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Ravi Zacharias and the team at www.rzim.org. When God gives us the definition of good and evil, it is based on his character and in his omnipotent power and his omniscient knowledge. When we choose to reject that, then we redefine good and evil on our own terms. It is the redefinition of good and evil that brings about the entry of sin and evil. Welcome back to a new week full of questions and answers here on Just Thinking. We can believe in the existence of evil, but how do we explain where it came from? And why is there no place for the idea of the reincarnation in the Christian worldview? Today, we're going to hear part one of a program Ravi Zacharias recorded with Canadian talk show host, Michael Corrin. During the broadcast, Ravi took questions from the call-in audience. And as always, the questions covered a broad spectrum of topics. Here's Ravi. I am a person who has had a car accident, and I suffer with a short-term memory disability. Now, I have purchased the book, uh, Light in the Shadow of Jihad. Mm -hmm. I've read the book, but I've had some difficulty understanding it. So if it's at all possible, could your guest kindly give me a brief summary about what the book is basically about, and I will hang up to hear his answer so the line can be free for someone else. Okay, Debbie, thank you for that. Well, by the way, we'll put up uh, Ravi's website address later because you can get tapes, which may be better for you, and you know, listen to it and gradually and, and take it in that way. But thank you so much for the call. Not not easy call to make. Uh, it's not a huge book, but it's a huge concept. Can you sum it up? Debbie, thanks for your call, and... Um My heart goes out to you with the struggle. Um, The truth of the matter is some of us, even without the accident, struggle with our (laughs) memories sometimes if it's all of any consolation to you. Light in the Shadow of Jihad, uh, Debbie, was written uh, shortly after the September 11th tragic events in the United States. And there were so many questions being raised at that time that I really had only a few days in which to put this book together because the publisher contacted me and asked me if I'd tackle it. And so what I did in the book was really tackle about five questions that came up about that time. Number one, the question of uh, we called it evil. Some of its perpetrators called it good. How do we arbitrate here? Where was God on this tragic day? Number three, was this the representation of a religion or an aberrant representation of it? Number four, did the Bible ever talk about incidents such as these? And number five, uh, what of the future in this worldwide conflagration and conflict because the passions are running deep? So that is the book in a nutshell, and I have attempted to answer those five. And one of the thoughts I have presented in there, uh, Debbie, that I think is worth mentioning here without taking too much more time, is that it is important 
that those who represent a worldview, when it comes under such scrutiny, for them to respond to the question so that the questioner can be seen as an honest inquirer and to answer the questions that they are raising. Was this an aberration or was this a genuine reflection? And depending on the answer, various other uh, questions prop up as well. So, but it is not intended to attack a particular religion or a worldview. It is intended to raise the hard questions and in my own way, I've tried to answer them. But uh, uh, Michael is right. If you log on to our website or even write to us, we'll be happy to recommend some tapes that might expand on these a little more for you. Maybe easier to listen. Some are better uh, listeners and readers and sometimes you can at least rewind the tape and go back and it comes through in a fresh way. I hope those are that'll be of help to you, Debbie. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thank you so much for the call, because uh, again, it must be very difficult, and I admire you for calling in, and for taking on the book as well. Thank you so much. Eleanor is on line five. Hello there. Hello. Uh, yes, I would like to ask, uh, I am a Christian, uh -huh. and uh, have been for a great uh, n uh, many years. Uh -huh. Ezekiel 28, uh, 15, verse 15, mm -hmm. you were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. And I, I suppose this is a common question. Where, if heaven, this was heaven, and uh, we pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I don't know, I don't have many, uh, much of a concept of that or information, but where did evil come from? I was going to ask it next week in my class. Where does evil come from? Where did it come from oh, in that's, the very that's, beginning? Okay, that's, uh, well, that's a basic one, Eleanor. <laughs> the world was not created with sin, was it? No, it was not created upright, but uh, with the freedom of choice. And I think that uh, the passage that she's raising is within the context of, um, if I'm not mistaken, God really talking about Lucifer there in, in the Ezekiel 28 and in that was some of the most powerful descriptions are given in the book of Ezekiel. Uh, it's a great question, Eleanor, and let me put it this way. The answer to that is the same answer when you go back to the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve were created upright with a possibility of serving God with the fullest of their wills, everything around them. There was aesthetic beauty. There was moral uprightness. There was relationship in its pristine form. There was God walking as it were with them. But in the possibility that God gave to us of loving him, there had to be the intrinsic necessity of will also. You cannot really talk of love without the possibility given to the individual of not loving. Otherwise, all you're talking about is an engineered response, a manufactured response, some kind of a machine-like response. And so uh, where evil is not even so much in transgression in its first form. Evil was in assertion. The questioning, for example, in the Garden of Eden was, did God really say? So as God gave the precepts, the parameters by which we should live, when the question is lodged in the mind that I want to do it my way, not his way, that's where evil ultimately comes. If you remember what God himself said, he said, you know, they, in the day that they eat of this, you know, then they will know good and evil as I do. And the concept there, I think, is this. When God gives us the definition of good and evil, it is based on his character 
and in his omnipotent power and his omniscient knowledge. When we choose to reject that, then we redefine good and evil on our own terms. It is the redefinition of good and evil that brings about the entry of sin and evil. And in the fall of Lucifer, it was the pride, it was the conceit and his desire to do it his way rather than God's way. C.S. Lewis says there are only two kinds of people in this world, those who bend their knee to God and say to him, thy will be done. And those who refuse to bend their knee to God and God says to them, all right then, your will be done. And I think in evil did not come so much from an outward incursion into the life as an inward disposition of the heart that says, I'm going to define heaven in my parameters and have it my way. And in the sense, the song that says I did it my way has far more said behind it than may just strike you and me lyrically at first. Great call. Thank you for that one. Uh, Duncan on line eight. Hello, Duncan. Uh, good evening. Hello. Uh, Mr. Zacharias, I read uh, Jesus Among Other Gods. Yes, sir. And, and I read uh, The Lotus and the Cross. I've heard you speak a couple of times. Actually, I'm looking forward to Sunday. Thank you. Um, you grew up in a, in a culture, and you grew up with reincarnation. Uh, is that correct? Uh, in, in the culture of India, yes, reincarnation is very, very much the prominent worldview. I did not grow up with that. My ancestors... Uh, Five generations ago were Orthodox Hindu priests. But at that time, there was a conversion that took place across the generation that somewhere a uh, few generations prior to my own life, that personal faith in Christ was lost and we were sort of nominally Christian. But if your question is, was reincarnation the dominant worldview in which I was raised? The answer to that is yes. Um, the, the last C.S. Lewis quote uh, actually gave me insight to the question a little bit that, that I'm going to ask you. Other than the scripture that we're aware of where it says it is appointed unto a man to, to die but once and then receive judgment, I've paraphrased it, can you articulate why you reject any possible blend of reincarnation with Christian faith since Jesus was so patient even with his disciples? Yes, I would be very happy to. The only problem, of course, is one of time and how long I can go into this. The, uh, the answer to your question is that reincarnation, as Hinduism and Buddhism teach it, and by the way, they are not univocal, they are not identical. The reincarnation of Buddhism is different to the reincarnation of Hinduism. In Buddhism, the reincarnation, there is no survival of the ego. There is just an accretion of the acts. So it's more a transference of the acts that emerges in another entity, uh, unlike Hinduism where there is an ego that survives and pays and pays and pays through the karmic law till it attains its moksha release or nirvana in Buddhism. The reason I reject it is because it is foundationally contrary to the Christian worldview. First and foremost, you never can pay for your sin. It is paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ himself. Number two, it is not only the verse, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after that the judgment. But it is woven through the very fabric of scripture. Uh, Job cries out, you know, I know that my redeemer lives and I shall see him in my flesh. You see Jesus talking to Peter and telling him how the manner of death that he was going to die. You see in the articulation of the story of Lazarus and the rich man that there's an immediate emergence and an arrival at a destiny that is separated from God for the, for the person who rejected God and Lazarus who was now in the very bosom of the father. So the worldview that sustains it, and it's important for you to hear this, 
Reincarnation got woven into the caste system also because it had to then explain the disparities within the culture of those who were highly prosperous and those who were suffering. So there's a lot that goes into the makeup of the reincarnational worldview. So I repeat what I've just said. In reincarnation, you pay, you pay, you pay. You earn your liberation through an ultimately perfect life. In Buddhism, it is till you attain a state of desirelessness and then you break away to nirvana. In the Christian faith, the gospel says to you and me, it is a gift of God. It comes by grace through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is not of your works. There is none righteous, no, not one. In the Christian faith, you can never be righteous until you are first redeemed. So it's not just an idea that is different, reincarnation versus one life. They are systemically different that produce those two uh, entailments. You've been listening to a program Ravi recorded during an appearance on the Michael Corrin Live talk show in Canada. To order a complete copy of the series, call us at 1-800-448-6766. You can also order online at rzim.org or if you're listening in Canada, that website is rzim.ca. Our website is a great place to find more content from Ravi or the rest of our RZIM team. Be sure to check out some of the online publications such as A Slice of Infinity or our Just Thinking magazine. Or you can listen to this program again or some of our other great podcasts by clicking on the Listen tab. That website again is rzim.org or rzim.ca in Canada. Suffering, God's silence, the existence of truth. Those are just a few of the topics covered in RZIM's Just Thinking magazine. Editor, Danielle Durant. Ravi Zacharias doesn't always have a lead article, but he always has a closing piece called Think Again, which really looks at all the articles we have in that magazine, the theme we've tried to carry through, and wrap things up in a way that will encourage and challenge the readers. Sign up for email delivery of Just Thinking at rzim.org. Just Thinking is a listener-supported radio ministry and is furnished by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. 